What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules. A person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. guys, we want to welcome you back. Start by saying we encourage everyone who has questions or feedback for us to reach out on Instagram or shoot us an email at godbecrazypodcast at gmail.com. We would love to talk to you guys about any questions, concerns, comments you may have. You know, we do our best to make sure that what we share with you guys is from the Lord, but we are human and we definitely make mistakes. Please know it's never our intention to hurt anyone, but to be obedient to what we are being asked to share. This particular episode is one that's very personal to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in this first part of this episode, we're having a conversation about uh, Sound of Freedom, a movie that premiered this month about sex trafficking, and it hits pretty close to home for us. And it's a two-parter, so in part two, we're going to discuss ways that we're already involved in this and how uh, you can get involved. And if you haven't seen Sound of Freedom, we do encourage you to, you, if you can't afford it, there are free tickets available. You can go to angel.com or um, just Google it, find the link. There, uh, There's a link to free tickets online. And uh, yeah. We want to warn you guys that this episode isn't for immature listeners. There's sexual abuse and trafficking content. With that being said, we're going to drop into a conversation that Bonnie and I are having about Sound of Freedom and our experience. So when you and I were in the movie together and we're watching certain scenes, I looked over at you and described your arm because I was aware that I was watching this movie from an outsider's perspective. in a comfortable movie theater and you were watching the movie from a personal experience and um, there were certain scenes of the movie where that was abundantly clear to me and um, we brought some comfort items (laughs) Like candy (laughs) and um, soft, (laughs) soft things just to provide additional comfort in a, in a space that is obviously not a comfortable space. Otherwise, we're in a public theater. For many people that have seen this movie, if you have an ounce of empathy or compassion, it affected you in a tremendous way. For me, I'm crying right now like I I have not I've been intermittently crying <laughs> since seeing it and 
probably because the Lord has put it on my heart for a number of years, this population that has been sex trafficked and not just children, but men and women as well. And it brought and stirred up for me the original, you know, in the, you know, a few years ago, whenever he originally stirred my heart towards it, there's a local, we live in Arkansas, you know, there's a local charity here that I had been talking with and um, it just reminded me so much of, of them and how this is not just happening in other countries far, far away, that it's happening on my street. It's happening in my neighborhood. It's happening all over. And none of us in this entire world are untouched by it, even if we think we are. It's under our nose. And um, when I was watching it, I obviously know your trauma story. And um, it hit very close to home. You know, and how the movie ended. If you stay for the special message, Jim Caviezel said that, um, I think it was, it was in the movie and in the special message, he said that Tim Ballard, the, <clears throat> the main character, said that someone asked him why he was doing what he was doing, rescuing these kids out of trafficking. And he said, when God asks you to do something, you do it. And I turned to you in the movie and just, I got so emotional and I was like, oh, I feel that. I feel that in my core. And um, we had already known going into the movie that we were supposed to talk about this. And so <clears throat> we just both looked at each other like, oh, we're about to have to talk about this really hard thing. Yeah. And I flashed two other times in our our lives where we've had to talk about hard things that he's asked us to share about our lives and for you this is a story that is to date probably and probably definitely the most difficult to talk about and I know you're scared um but I want, oh, but I want to do what he wants us to do. And so, I just want you to know that I love you. And I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you for doing hard things. And um, for the ways that you continue to show up and say yes to his call, even though it is so hard. And I'm right here as we talk about this. Just me and you. Thanks, Wendy. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There are going to be a lot of tears. There's just no way around it. There's just no way around that. Going to watch this movie, I knew whenever I first saw the previews of it that I had to see it. Mm-hmm. And... I went twice um, to the theater to see it so far, and 
it's hard to watch. And it's hard to think about. And I don't know about everyone, but I didn't really think of trafficking as something that was right here in our faces and in our neighborhoods. And I think of it a lot of times like the movie depicts. They pick up some kids in a foreign country, Mm -hmm. third world country. Usually a poor country. Like Honduras was the, um, the kids from the movie were from Honduras. Right. Picked them up from Honduras, shipped them across the ocean to another continent, to another country, to be sold repeatedly. That's in my mind what, what trafficking is. And I think that that is the definition of trafficking in most people's mind. Yeah. They think of it the way it was depicted in the movie. And while that's probably some of the most common, I just want to bring attention to something that we don't think about and we don't talk about. Nor do we want to. Because it's scary. And it puts fear in your heart and your mind. There are people right here in our state, in our neighborhoods, in our cities that do this very thing right under our noses Mm -hmm. and do it in a way that people would never Mm -hmm. have any idea. Mm -hmm. I know. In fact, as you say that, I was just reminded a a couple years ago, I was going to take my kids on vacation somewhere. And I mentioned it to my neighbor down the street. And she goes, oh, Bonnie, don't do that. Because she's from there. She said, you don't want to do that. And I was like, what? And I mean, this is a city I'm very familiar with. I've been a million times. Like, I, I didn't think it was a big deal at all. I'm comfortable there, even though, you know, I was unaware of this at the time. And she goes, oh, no, no, don't do that. And I was like, why? And she goes, because you're a single mom with two kids. You're a target. And I was like, okay. And... She said, do you know how much a child costs in that city right now? Like, one child cost, and she told me how many thousands of dollars. I cannot remember. It was a lot. Close to $100,000. I can't remember how much, but I remember going, what? And she was like, oh, yeah, this is everywhere. And all of her family lives there. And so she was like, don't go. And I was like, okay, I won't. And she said, and when you do, if when you do travel with your kids, please be careful because children, one child is so much money. It makes so much money for these people on the black market. And I was like, okay. I mean, I was already aware. I've had this come up more than a few times in my career. And so I am aware of it. But I just, when I think of where I'm going on vacation, I don't think, where should I go that my kids are less likely to be kidnapped from me? That is usually not how I plan vacations. Right. But what are the safest cities for human trafficking? I don't know that there are. It, there really isn't safety anywhere. Well, 
in my personal experience. Um, what happened to me happened right under everyone's nose. And I was kept by a babysitter who I didn't realize at the time what was happening, you know. But Mm -hmm. as I've grown up and gotten older, I am very aware now of what happened. And um, that babysitter had people that um, would come in and pay to have sex with the kids that were there. And I'm not going to go into any details because I don't think anybody needs to have those details. But um, I did not realize the extent of the damage that something like that causes when I watched that movie and certain scenes of that movie that were similar to things that happened to me. All I could think about was they rescued them and now what? Yeah. Now what for them? Yeah. They go home, they open the movie with the little girl tapping out a song and singing in Mm -hmm. her little beautiful voice and... They end the movie with Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. If you haven't seen it, (laughs) you're about to hear the ending, so. Well, they end it in much the same way. Mm -hmm. And I'm, at the end of it, kind of wrecked inside because I know that. That beginning and ending were eerily similar for the movie, but that little girl's life has changed forever. Yeah. Forever. Mm Mm-hmm. That little boy's life has changed forever. Their lives will never be the same. The time that they were in that situation, they can heal. Parts of them can heal. But the confusion that it brings to a kid, the sadness... A loss of innocence. So Childhood much. is over. She's banging on that drum in the end. And I'm like... Well, part of her is able to continue to act like a child. Right. But there are parts of her inside that are so fractured. And so confused. And have no language. To make sense of what she's just experienced. Endured, yeah. Oh. Like, she won't find, I know as a therapist, she won't find that language. For years. For many years, if she finds it at all. If she's fortunate enough to come into the presence of someone that knows how to help her, which is rare, Mm -hmm. um, then she might have a chance. Well, and for me, for instance tried for years to cry out but I was super afraid I was super confused because I thought the people that were doing this cared about me right and loved me 
And they made some things fun. You know, I got to do things mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have gotten to do. Um, you got things rewarded. That kid, right. <laughs> things that kids think are fun, you know. And so it was very confusing for me because it would be abuse and pain and then rewards and what felt like love. Yeah. It was associated together. Mm-hmm. Abuse and love, or what you were taught, what was love. Abuse and gifts. Abuse and fun. Yeah. Abuse and then comfort. So, growing up, I acted out a lot. I had a lot of anger. And also, I was very self-aware as a kid, and I didn't realize this is the beauty of the human brain and what God has made. I didn't know at the time how I made it through. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, some of that stuff started getting put together. And when I was young, I used to always, I would be praying. <laughs> To God, I'd be like, God, I don't understand, you know, why this happens, why this is happening. How do I make this stop? How come people won't listen to me? And I got to a point where I just didn't say anything anymore because Mm -hmm. the way my cries for help were met didn't foster a sense of safety or security or... Um, it didn't want, it didn't encourage me to continue sharing Mm -hmm. or to continue asking for help. Mm -hmm. It pretty much encouraged me to shut down Mm -hmm. and to shut up. And so being a little kid, that's what happened. And by design, we are created to protect ourselves and I did that in a way that's not common but because of the amount of trauma that I suffered early in life I developed the idea we've talked about this before and if you're a follower of the podcast and you've listened to the podcast if you've heard um, dissociation station all aboard That episode talks about Mm -hmm. this very thing, you know, and it also talks about all the ways that everyday ordinary people can dissociate and what that might look like, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, and how I think we talk about different parts um, in that episode. Yeah, I mean, we we define it. We'd go about the DSM. We're not going to do that here because it's just it is a repeat and you probably should go back and listen to that. It's, I believe, episode nine. Um, But we unpack that in further detail and discuss it. Um, It's dissociative identity disorder, or formerly known as multiple personality disorder, which is um, born out of severe trauma. And it kind of flies with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. That's not to say that everybody who has post-traumatic stress disorder or any trauma is going to have this because right. it's not that common. It's Yeah, it's not the same. Right. It's a, two different things. But 
um, those that do have DID do also have PTSD and it's trauma born. And both of those disorders are born out of severe trauma or, well, trauma period. Um, Because it varies. Trauma is subjective Mm -hmm. and it's not the same person to person. Obviously, sex trafficking, human trafficking is something that we can probably all agree would be in the severe category. It's also repetitive. It doesn't happen one time and over. Most people don't experience one um, circumstance of abuse or mistreatment and then they're rescued out of whatever that situation is. It's it's a repetitive thing. And um, and some people, fortunately, don't get rescued at all. So um, yeah. that's the reason. Some people die in that. And, um, and some people live that way for so long that that's the only life they know. Mm-hmm. And even though it's hell on earth for them, they, they continue to do that because that is all they know. Yeah. They've never known any other yeah. life. And some people that get rescued out because they started when they were kids, they then go work on their own as a sex worker because that's all they know how to do. And that's what they're, they become programmed to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it breaks my heart. And at the same time, it makes me cry out to God and thanks that he made our brains. He made our brains in such a way that we can dissociate and split off from our main personality and develop new people and new personalities to help us carry those stories, which is what happened to you. And I am forever grateful that he built us that way. Because in my profession, I have had the honor of holding space for a lot of stories And had they not had this ability built in to our human bodies and our brain, they would have definitely died. There are times when it is very clear to me and the person I'm working with, and we've talked about this Mm -hmm. with you, that had you had the knowledge of everything that you had endured while you were enduring it, you would have never made it. Nope. You would have wanted to die. It, it would not be something that you could have lived in. Mm-hmm. And thankfully for you, and this is this is a story I've heard many times, is that you 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 often don't learn about what you often don't have those memories. When I had until a lot much later of memories, what what I found for myself is that I had a lot of things that came up that didn't make sense. Yeah. And I couldn't I couldn't understand why I reacted so strongly to some things I reacted to. You know, we're going to give a few examples just so mm-hmm. people can understand um, what I'm talking about. But Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. 
for example, I had a crazy reaction to your upstairs. Yeah, the ups the upstairs of my house. Yeah. Um. So you have a girl room and a boy room, mm-hmm. and that was part of my experience that I had a part of me held that mm-hmm. I I didn't and I didn't realize that at the time mm-hmm. but um every time I would go up there I would have a very strong reaction and I I was like I do not understand and I didn't say anything mm-hmm. for a while other than to say I don't like your upstairs mm-hmm. that's all I would say mm-hmm. I don't want to go up there you know, and you'd be like, what is the deal? You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we even need to work or do something upstairs. And I'd be like, oh, I don't want to go up there, you know. Mm-hmm. And one day we were up there and everything came flooding back. Yeah. And the parts of me that held the abuse that was related to that became very apparent. And I started to have the memories of what was happening and what had happened in the girl room, in the boy room. Mm -hmm. Obviously not here at your house, but what had happened in the past. Many, many years ago. And it rocked me. Like... I'm crying. Well, I'm and just... me, because you you were not you. Right. There were, you know, somebody else started talking, and, you know, all I know is that you're talking in a different voice, and that person starts to tell me. And is crying mm-hmm. and scared mm-hmm. and is very kid-like mm-hmm. and tells you a really horrible story. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking in my head, well, this all makes sense. For many years, you couldn't go up there. Years ago, you, you know, well, maybe it was years ago. I don't know. You'd slept up there in um, my son's room and you Didn't were like, sleep couldn't, at sl- all. Yeah, you couldn't sleep at all. You were uh, you, you, like, there is no level of comfort with upstairs at all. And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I know the history, some of the history of my house and... There was abuse that took place in this house with another family many, many years ago. And I was like, well, maybe, like, there's, I don't know, is that a thing? Like, is there, should we cleanse it? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why it's so upsetting. Like, and if you were to walk into my upstairs house, the upstairs of my house, it, it's very cozy and comfortable. <laughs> I'm like, I... The beds are nice, like like it's I decorated it's like decorated. they. I mean, it's cute for kids. Yeah, and, and I was like, I am trying to accommodate as best I know. <laughs> like, is, I can't. Can I get you a fan? Like, I don't really understand why you're so distressed up here. And then this day came, and it made all the sense in the world. In fact, what I remember is I was doing laundry up there, and we weren't even to talk about different things. And so I said, well, will you follow me upstairs? Let me put away the laundry, and while I'm putting it away, we can talk about business or whatever we need to attend to. 
And so you came up there and you were sitting on the bed while I was putting all the things away. And I just turned around and you're like, it, you were not okay. And it was glaringly obvious that something was going on, but I had lost in the dark until, <clears throat> until that particular part started telling me what they were experiencing. And um, when that happens, just very traditional, classic DID, when that happens, um, the core person, in this case, you, Christy, can hear conversations that are happening between other parts. Sometimes. Sometimes, and sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. And so how we talk about this is like, are you in the car? Or are you out of the car? Yeah, <laughs> like, like who's driving? Who's driving? <laughs> um, who's who's in the driver's seat? And um, sometimes a, a new person with a different set of experiences can be in the driver's seat, using the mouth and using the body, and you are in the car somewhere. And sometimes you're outside of the car, and you've been left at home, and we're in another <laughs> state. <laughs> and when that happens. Um, I have to kind of let you know, like, this is what I've figured out, or this is what I know. And so you did not even know that these things had happened. Yes. So I, I knew that there was something else going on because mm -hmm. I could not understand the level of discomfort I had with something seemingly so innocent, you mm -hmm. know, going upstairs mm -hmm. at your house, you know, like. I was not aware on a conscious level of what had happened, but my body would react every time I was up there and I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And so when this happens, like you said, sometimes I'm present enough to have to, to recognize that something's happened. I'm like, whoa, what was that? I heard this or I heard mm -hmm. that and we can talk about things. And sometimes I got no information. I got nada. So we've learned to record when, whenever we talk. Sometimes we'll record that. Sometimes you just remember things and mm -hmm. you'll tell me. Sometimes you take notes. Like, mm -hmm. it just depends on what happens. But um, I very much... Th this part really hit me hard because I thought that the person who was involved in this was someone who very much cared for me. Mm -hmm. and just, just days, maybe, I mean, within the, uh, the month, I want to say, you had told me about this particular person in your life and how they were, of all the unsafe people, they were the only safe person that you had in your whole life. And I was like, really? And you were telling me about all the things and the the adventures you got to go on with this person. And I'm like, yeah, if I didn't have them in my life, like, it, it would have been real bad. You know, they were the, the, the light spot, the bright right. spot. And like, you were telling me with excitement and fun and like recounting all of these mm -hmm. things. And I was like, oh, thank God for that person, you know. And then here, a couple weeks, days definitely less than a month. I don't remember the exact time. We're upstairs and that person is a monster. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. And I want to go find them, <laughs> you know, and, um, but that's, that's not something that's going to make anything better. 
Um, but I have so much anger and so much sadness and so much rage as I'm learning this because I'm aware that you, Christy, think that this person is the highlight of your life and <laughs> you're so thankful for them. And now other parts that I've met have different stories that they've been holding and protecting you from. Yeah. And so you're unaware in your conscious mind that these things have even occurred to you. And so as your friend, I'm like, oh, she doesn't know this. How do you tell your friend that the reality that they've experienced in their life is actually this, this key person who's like the, the, sa- the only safe person is actually one, of the safe. one yeah. of the safe people. There were others, yeah, but one of the most um, exciting and fun memories of your life are now about to be completely tainted with this information that I have. And how do you tell someone, hey, um, something happened, you're not aware of it, and it's not going to be easy to hear? Well, I don't think you actually did tell me right off the bat. It was incremental. And yeah. I was getting parts of it. Mm-hmm. I was, And I brought it to you, like, mm-hmm. what is this about? Mm-hmm. Because I was getting things, which is what happens for me a lot of times whenever um, I get new information, then I will get it that way and I will get it in pieces. And I'm like, what What is this? Yes. If someone's been around and told their story, uh-huh. then you get like they, leftovers. It's, it's <laughs> like they give me little acts. It's kind of like having a filing cabinet and um, inside your brain and um, it's like literally walking around with a file with the papers and they'll just drop a piece of paper in a room. Mm-hmm. And as I'm going through my, whatever mm-hmm. I find this piece of paper, I'm like, what, what is this? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I know that's a funny example, but mm-hmm. I'm just trying to make it where people can kind of just understand a little bit of what it's like inside my head when something like this happens. Right. So I get little snippets, little pieces of information. I don't usually get bombarded with the whole story at once Mm -hmm. because obviously that would be pretty damaging because it's a lot of heavy information and um, I wasn't able to handle it then. I can handle it now, but it still needs to happen slowly because I'm still human, you know, Mm -hmm. and Hearing some of these things, like you said, this was someone who I cared about a lot and that I thought cared about me. And at first I didn't really want to believe it, but there's something different about when your body tells you something's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew it in my gut that it was true mm-hmm. and that that really is what happened and so many things i've had night terrors most of my life and i've had you know nightmares and i didn't realize that those things a lot of those are memories they're just memories that i have had that i'm just have on a repeat at night when mm-hmm. i'm sleeping and it makes so much sense to, to see and to know more of the story because I'm like, gosh, now I don't feel like, I mean, 
I feel like quite such a freak whenever I say, I don't like your upstairs. It, mm-hmm. When there's no logical reason that I shouldn't, that I should be feeling that way. Now I understand why I don't. And actually, I can go up there now. I still don't love it, you know, but I can go up there and, you know, we can do whatever. It's not the end of the world. Most of the time I can do it. But, mm-hmm. um, but it's not some place you prefer no, to be. No, it's not my favorite place. It's not my favorite place to be. Um, but that's just one example. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, another is video. Um, part of my story involved being videoed and during the abuse. And, um, I hate to be videoed. It doesn't bother me as much for pictures and things like that, but videos, especially, um, if there's any kind of critique to the video. Mm -hmm. And so, for example... I was in grad school, actually, this past year to Mm -hmm. get my degree in counseling so that I could work with people. And um, I knew going into the program that part of the program involved um, videotaped sessions Sessions. so that um, the instructors could give you feedback on how you worked with the clients and things that you could um, used to, to benefit the client and just Mm -hmm. techniques you could learn to be a better therapist and our clinician. And I am knowing, knowing this ahead of time, I, I talked to you about it. You know, we try to prepare for what that looks like. And I'm like, I, we need to find me a therapist that I can go to. We could talk this out because I don't think I can do this. And so we found out that I was, the classes that I was supposed to have, I wasn't supposed to be in any classes that required that for another semester or two. It was going to take a minute before we got right. to those classes. So I thought I was good, thought I was safe. And I made sure to double check before each of my classes, like when I'd get in there, I would ask that question, is this one of the classes that we have to do any video and, you know, whatnot? And my instructors had all said no. Well, the last semester that I was in school, which was the fall, um, (laughs) two of my classes got jacked up. One of them, I asked this and the teacher explicitly said we did not have to do any video stuff. And I made sure of it. So I thought we were good. And the other one, the teacher also said that, but she she had several classes that she was teaching and um a lot of them have the same some of the same topics and so she, one day she had gotten mixed up and she had mm-hmm. sent um emails to one class that was actually the wrong class that involved and it was the class that would have been having the videos and so she was talking about the videos mm-hmm. they had to make and I got this email and y'all it whew, I spiraled um once I found out that that wasn't a thing. It was okay, kind of. But I was realizing just how deep, because the minute that I got this, that I opened this email, everything changed for me. Like, Mm -hmm. there was, I just realized how close I was to that part of the program 
being reality mm-hmm. and how unprepared I was for that kind of feedback. And the the first incident, the one where I had asked the professor and he assured us that there was nothing like that, he actually changed it mid-course to add this video mm-hmm. at the end. And y'all, I was halfway through this course and I was assured ahead of time that it was not going to be in there. And, and then doing he, well. And doing well, yeah. And he added that in and when he did... I lost it. And when I say I lost it, I was crying uncontrollably. I had to get up and leave. I had a panic attack. Mm -hmm. I went to my car and I was just really wanting... I had left some of my stuff in there because I kind of had to get up and run out like quickly because I couldn't breathe. I was having a panic attack. And I get to my car and I'm just like, panic attack, panic attack. And so one of my teachers happens to be walking by and out of desperation, I get out of my car and I'm like, can you help me? Because... I can't breathe and I need to get my stuff and I really just want to leave and I don't know what to do. I try to call you and you're at work and so you can't answer and I'm just like, I do not know what to do. Mm -hmm. And finally I go, the teacher's like, I can get your stuff. But well, before that, one of the students had sent me a text that were in the class and they were like, you know, the teacher said, come in and talk to him, you know, like it's fine. And I'm like... (laughs) Yeah. I can't do that. So we had broken up. What we had done is once we, once he decided we were doing this video thing, he broke us up into small groups. So we were in these little groups and there was maybe like six or seven of us in my group. And it was all ladies that I, you know, had a decent, you know, connection with. We didn't know each other super well, but I had, you know, become friendly with a couple of them because we had been in other classes together. And, you know, so we had each other's numbers, you know, and we were, we were talking and stuff. And, I tried to sit in this small group, and I tried before I really walked out. Mm-hmm. I tried to hold it together. And as we went around and we were doing our group, I just I couldn't do it anymore. And I just had to get up and leave. And when I did that, that's what happened. And so one of the people in the group had told the instructor that something had happened, and he was like, oh, she needs to come tell her to come talk to me. You know, we don't have to. Mm-hmm. We can do something different. But it was too late. At that point, I realized that there was no way that I could continue in school like this with this expectation if I couldn't do anything different or I couldn't find a way mm-hmm. to to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so when I asked the teacher that was walking by if she could help me, mm-hmm. I needed her to get my backpack and I also needed her to just help me catch a breath because I felt mm-hmm. like I was drowning. And so she did that. She got my stuff for me, brought it to me, and um, you ended up coming to get me from school. I, mm-hmm. I moved. I got in my car, and I moved it, but I couldn't really drive because I was in full-blown mm-hmm. panic. panic, and I was crying, and I was so I was embarrassed, and I was mad, and I was sad, and I was hurt, like all the things. I was, but you weren't just feeling... Even though you may, were you having a flashback? Did you have any flashbacks in that moment? I don't really know because I switched. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I can tell you is what I, me, felt at the right. time. Right, So when I say I switched, I mean someone else checked in and I checked out. Mm-hmm. And um, when I checked back in, 
I was having these feelings. And um, I, I think I had left you a message or a text or yeah. something. Yeah. I can't really remember the yeah. exact details of mm-hmm. that. But I ended up in the parking lot. I was there for a long time, like way longer than I wanted to be or cared to be, but I couldn't go anywhere. And one of the girls that were in the class had come class got out and I'm still in the parking lot you know so she had come to see if I wanted to Mm -hmm. you know get a coffee or talk or and I no thanks I really (laughs) but I really appreciated that from her you know know. like it meant a lot to me she didn't have any idea what was truly going on with Mm -hmm. me but she cared enough to to offer that and I had you on the way but it was nice in that moment to have somebody just to check on me and say that. And so, if you're listening, I just want to say thank you for that. <laughs> and um, anyway. And to anybody else who, when you see someone who is in a panic or who is seems highly distressed, you have no concept. In this case, this girl, this classmate of yours, she had no concept of the depth. She would have never known. Oh, I was sexually trafficked as a child and videoed videoed and then critiqued afterward. And this is why I don't want to do it. Like, that would have never been anyone's first guess is like, whoa, that's a strong... When you see people that are having a much stronger reaction to the present situation than what should seem warranted, there's a very good chance... They're not reacting to just the present situation. Right. And this happens in all of our lives. You don't have to have DID or PTSD to respond in a distressing way because something is, has come up in the present that triggers past pain. Yeah. So remember that. And she came out and yeah. asked if she, she could did. help. Yeah. <laughs> and she you did. were. Thankful, but not really. Yeah, I was super thankful, but at the same time, I just, I just wanted to catch my breath, and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have to explain myself. Or honestly, I was super embarrassed too, and I was also realizing. Sorry, (laughs) I was realizing in that moment that unless something changed for me at school. That I was going to have to let that dream that I had had to help other people that had been through those things. I was going to have to let that go because I wasn't going to be able to do it. And I was realizing that in that moment. And um, I couldn't go talk to the teacher who had assigned this mid-semester because I didn't feel super comfortable with him. But the teacher who had helped me in the parking lot, I felt like I could talk to her a little bit. So you joined me on a conversation mm-hmm. with her. And um, I told her that, well, I told her before that, before that actually, you and I had talked to her. And um, mm-hmm. I had told her that I was working on it. I was going to therapy and I was going to, I was hopefully going to be in a place where I could, this wouldn't be something that I couldn't deal with but Mm -hmm. um in that moment I realized that there wasn't going to be a time in the near future that that was going to be okay for me Mm -hmm. and so I ended up having to withdraw from school which 
honestly crush my soul a little bit. But Jesus is funny because he had other plans. And um, he did have other plans. <laughs> you were like, rest, and that, that sparked a wrestle that y'all had because you thought you had heard from him. I want you to go back to school and get this degree because I want you to work with this population and you need to get trained. Well, what he had said was he wanted me to work with this population. And what I took that to mean was I needed to be trained to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, then we found out during my wrestle that yes, he did say, I want you to work with this population. How that looks for, for me is different than how it looks for you. Yes. But I'm not going to have the degree that you have to do that with, but there are other ways Mm -hmm. to work with people in the same capacity. Mm -hmm. And that's what he meant for me. I just didn't understand the assignment. Right. (laughs) And now I understand the assignment. Right. And if you want to find out what that assignment was and see how God was planning to use Christy's story for his glory, join us for part two. And remember, if the message of this podcast resonates with you, please subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate it or review it on your favorite podcast platform because doing so may help others hear the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram or just share it the good old fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you'll be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God. Mm